Hello, everyone. It's the Wine Hour, the talk show that removes your wine anxiety. It's so great to be back. Uh, first time in 2023, and we're starting with Under Pressure with Queen and David Bowie. All of today's music has been chosen by our special guests, and it will be available as a Spotify playlist very soon. And I just love every single part of the of the music. What happens when we are all plugged in and our lives are directed by artificial intelligence? What happens when we become entirely drugged by the so-called ease and power of new technologies? If some of you have read A Brave New World by Aldous Oxley, you will understand what kind of things I'm talking about. Well, actually, nothing good can happen, I can tell you. It's only in the past 20 years that the current technological advances really emerged into our lives, a blip in human history. I grew up in a pre-internet time when things happen regardless of technology, albeit slower. But was that really a problem? No, we lived well. We took the time. We probably had a more balanced life than today. And one of the main reasons was our connections to others. For things to happen, we needed to go out. We needed to meet others. We needed to go in nature. We were not secluded behind our screen. Don't get me wrong. I love technology and its convenience, but it's a tool, a mere tool. It must not play a central part in our lives. Thankfully, there are places where this true connection still exists. Restaurants. And chefs play a very important role, like a last line of defense. They understand our relationship to the land, to the animals, to nature, to the people growing the food. They understand how important those social connections taking place around the meal are because it is their raison d'être. So it is only refreshing to see more and more chefs out of the kitchen being vocal because they understand the importance of that link, the importance of real connections. Wish you were here, Pink Floyd. This is now going is gonna get better and better. <laughs> so here's today's menu. So first, an encore, Jamie Akosh, uh, Michelle, and Emily will talk about uh, how AI will impact the world of food and wine. Then, in license to taste, Tanisha will give you example of what happened recently uh, with AI. With there's a lot of talks about ChatGPT. Actually, we're gonna do a live demonstration of what it can do. Uh, and then in her wine minute. She will tell you uh, about what French cuisine means to American and when they expect when they travel to France. And finally, in Have a Drink With Me, we'll have a cozy conversation with our special guest, Michel Roux and Emilio. Now, before we start, let me introduce you to today's cast. Jane. Fleetwood Mac, coming from London, it's a marvelous honor, privilege, and pleasure to welcome our special guests, Emilie Roux and Michel Roux. Good evening. <laughs> yeah, we had to, to get the cheer-ups, <laughs> part of it. How are you today? Uh, well, I'm, I'm great, actually. It's my day off. So yeah, I know. <laughs> did, you, did, you run, did you run the marathon yesterday? No, 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 no. In in my mind, yes. Uh, in my mind, I'm a 20 year old, uh, but uh, in reality, I'm a 63 year old, and my my knees are knackered. Yeah, yeah. To marathon the knees usually don't really go very well together. Mm. 
And now. This is ground control to Major Tom. You've really made the grade. So this is uh, Space Oddity by David Bowie. So these are our Space Oddities, our wine dream team. They're coming to you across uh, actually the world. It's a global show. Someone in Washington, D.C., someone in Paris, someone in London. Uh, now we're going to be starting in uh, actually in the U.K. Watermelon sugar, uh, Harry Styles, and what I think of watermelon sugar, it can only be Akwash Fortsek. He's coming to us from Bordeaux. He had tried about 150 wines today, something like that. Good evening, Akwash. Good evening. Yes, yes. It's the 2022 Bordeaux on Premier campaign. So if you do a show at the end of April, you can sure find me here. No question about <laughs> it. So. <laughs> Sounds here good. I am. Forget me, Lewis Capaldi from Paris. Tanisha Townsend. Good evening, Tanisha. Good evening. How are you today? I'm good. Had a good day. Good. It's going to end well. I'm telling you that. And now across the pond. Nineteen seventy-six by RJD two. There were some some strange names in the list. <laughs> I love the music anyway. Good afternoon, Jamie in DC, conquering the US. How are you? Indeed, I'm doing very well, very very well. Just had a trade tasting and interviewed for a radio show, and then I have a press thing tonight. And in the meantime, I get to see my fabulous wine hour peeps. So I'm very oh, nice. happy. So we, 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 we're going to cheer that. We're going to cheer that. <laughs> <laughs> so if at any point in time you want to ask questions, you can raise your hand, put your, put your questions in the chat, or you can come on video if you want to, or audio, whatever you feel more comfortable with. Uh, it's a show where everyone is welcome. So grab a glass of wine, a glass of chai, a glass of water, a glass of anything, just uh, having a drink and uh, wishing you a wonderful evening. Cheers to all. And here we go. Golden hour, JVKE. You pronounce it like this, or is it something different? <laughs> no idea. I guess. I guess it sounds good. Anyway, uh, uncorked. Uh, so today it's about AI and how it will impact the world of food and wine. But just before we start, I'm going to run a quick poll and uh, you're going to tell me uh, what you think. And we look at the answers uh, afterwards. So is it the end of the world? Are sommeliers and winemakers and wine tasters and, and actually even chefs, are they? It's gone. That's it. ChatGPT is going to take over the world. Do you still have a future? Yes? No? Maybe? <laughs> I think no way, not in no, that segment. Not in that segment? Why not? No. Well, if you're in a data business and entry-level accounting and law and stuff like that, I think you're at a much higher risk than Jamie trying to figure out with AI how to make her vintage in Cabernet Sauvignon uh, and Sauvignon Blanc and how it's going to taste better 
data gathering definitely helps for past, but I don't believe I don't believe that uh, uh, the execution of the product itself in our business is actually going to be that much influenced by AI on the production side. Consumer side is a different story, but on the production side. Yeah, and I, I will say, I think, um, I mean, I know, Antoine, you have a very rosy view of the past, pre-technology, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and there is something to be said for, obviously, human connection and getting outside and all of those sorts of things. Uh, but there's a lot that technology has allowed us to do and freed us up to do. And I'm just, from our very small anecdotal sample, um, we actually are starting to use chat GPI, GPT rather, to, um, to actually help with newsletters and all of the content that we need to produce in order to actually speak with our consumers. And it's not that we just like put the things in there, ask chat GPT and publish it. You know, obviously there's still some editing that goes on and there's still things, but it's a huge time saver for a small team. Um, and I think knowing our consumers better is absolutely essential, um, is super, super important. Um, and so I think there's a lot of the technology that's really helpful to us. And, and let's face it, at the end of the day, there may be some wines that are made by AI, but guess what? There are some wines that are basically made by AI today. I mean, you know, it's, it, you have, large industrial production and you have small um, artisanal production, in, like in the food industry, right? I mean, there's a big difference between massive fast food change that produce the same thing around the world over and over again, and the things that um, our amazing guests produce. Uh, they're, they're incredibly different and there's space for both of them, but I don't think the McDonald's supply chain will ever necessarily be super hyper present in three-star Michelin restaurants. Um, but that's not to say that it's not helpful somewhere else. Okay. Michelle, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with Jamie. I, I think it already exists. I think there are some uh, mass wine producers which are already using AI. Um, and some mass uh, producers in our, in our industry, in the food industry, that are already using it uh, and uh, to, uh, for, for a good cause. Um, but there will always be room, I think, for the individual, for um, the, the, the maverick human touch. Uh, and uh, at least I hope so. Emily? Couldn't agree more with uh, what my father just said. Um, <laughs> really? That's not real. Andy. That does happen. We talk about that. But afterwards. it does happen. It does happen. <laughs> we, we talk about that afterwards. Don't worry. <laughs> we get into that aspect. <laughs> just as a disclaimer, I'm using ChatGPT a lot, and I think they are great, fantastic tools. However, the the problem that I that I that I have, and it's not that I have a rosy view from the past. I think that people have been so focused on technology as as an end in itself, not as a tool. And it should su support us, service us, and not lead our lives. And I think where you were talking about, you know, being critical and being analyzing what what you know the output of ChatGPT or any kind of technology, and then use that for you know to save time etc i get that i I'm, I'm using it i'm saying it but 
there's more and more people that get so focused on that. Okay, here's an example. Okay, you go to a restaurant. Okay, technology is great. They sit down at a table. Everyone is on their own phones. Is that normal? <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about Michelle, but I mean, there is in 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 the in the chefs industry, there was this joke going around, and you know, if somebody doesn't take a picture of your food, you ask him, "You don't like my food? What's wrong with you? Why don't you take a picture of my food?" Right? Everybody does this nowadays, right? And uh, it's everything is at our fingertips, right there. But ultimately, what my point is. What we experience in the wine industry and in the food industry as well, a great dish that you're going to eat is still going to remain something that is going to be personal to you. And AI is not going to be able to take it away from you. And I hope it won't take it away from us. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. Because that's the personal experience that we'll have. And um, well, go ahead. No, 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 I was just going to say, Akash and, and Antoine, if, if everybody's on their phone, Maybe you're just going out to dinner with really boring people. I don't know. Like you don't have anything to talk about. Yeah. So, so why go in the first place? I'm kidding. Exactly. Uh, but I also, I do think there's also a space um, and a really important usage for AI and technology in terms of creating access. And we've talked about this on this show before. The wine industry traditionally has been pretty exclusive. It's been pretty um, opaque and difficult to kind of get to know. And I think there are some really wonderful uses of technology that are helping this wonderful world that we love of wine and food and hospitality and all of those things to just be more accessible to people and, and help people feel like they have a place there. As you were, as you're talking about access. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to do an example. We're going to do something live now with ChatGPT to talk about understanding wines and some information that you can get out of it. We, we did the test with Akash a couple of days ago and it was kind of mind blowing. Here's the first question. Give me wines with taste profile similars like Chateau Cheval Blanc 1997. And this is what it's going to answer. So what is interesting is that sometimes the information that you're trying to look for is very hard to get because you need to know people. Sometimes on the web, it's not very mm -hmm. convenient to look for that. So I, I, I get that part and I understand that it can be you know, a bit complicated to do that. Okay, so this is, this wow. is the answer. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It is. It's really kind of in this particular example. It's basically just taking Google and making it more specific and precise, right? Well, like it, it does. Search. It does the thinking for you, right? So the Google will throw the data at you, whereas this mm -hmm. one is going to go into the data, sort the data, whether you like it or not. I mean, at the end of the day, it's in still it's in infancy, but already in its infancy is able to show things that. If you agree or not, whether ozone is similar to Cheval Blanc in 97, it doesn't matter, but it's at least it's the same appellation. It's not throwing out to you to say that, you know, a Chateau Neuf du Pape, whatever, is going to be the same as, as that one. So there is really coherence in the end result. And I think with time, this is going to get only better and, uh, and, and, and more sophisticated as it is, you know. And yeah, you'll make mistakes, but they're working on it all the time. And it evolves at such a speed that is incredible. I think we do the same conversation in two months time. Things are going to be much more accurate by then. Yeah. And then we, we asked from another, from another vintage, not just 1997. So it came out with, with some ideas. And I don't know if it, from last time it was, it was, it was proper or not, because last time <coughs> there were mistakes and Akosh was looking at it and was saying, oh, this is wrong. This is not good, et cetera. It's, it's wow. still the same. It's still the same. But so it's still matter. wrong. 
Well, I mean, you cannot compare a 2005 Cheval Blanc to a 1997 or a Chateau Petrus 1998, which is an incredible vintage, to a 1997. But, you know, an Aubryon 1999, yeah, it would stand the chance. Chateau Margot 2000, no. Lafitte 96, mm, questionable. Okay. You know what I mean? But, but, but you, have, you have something that you can start your, you know, if you take five, that means 20% of it is good. That's incredible. Well, presumably, but presumably too, this is taking information from scores and things like that. Absolutely. So it may Absolutely. be your personal view that it is not necessarily correlated to those other wines, but maybe, you know, in terms of the scores that it's gotten and the yeah, sort of pressure or whatever. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's actually kind of a great point for discussion too. And, and yeah, here there's another Absolutely. thing that is important. The way you structure the sentences and the questions will give you a different answer. So if I give if if I give it in the same sentence with give me the wine similar taste profile like Chateau Cheval Blanc, but from other vintages in the same sentence, it's going to give me normally other answers. Here you go, Cheval Blanc two thousand one. You know, there the, the answers are different. They are. You know, at the end of the day, you know, if you look at it, um, wow. it's already incredible. That it can just go in there and even compare a 2001 Pavi Macan, which I have no idea if it resembles 1997 <laughs> or not. I have no clue. <laughs> but now I'm kind of curious to say, oh my God, I got to buy a bottle of Pavi Macan 2001 because if it's really that good, then, you know, I missed something, you know? It's a really good value. Isn't for that awesome? Money. But that's okay. just fantastic. Fantastic. Imagine, I mean, Akos, all of the absolutely. wines you've tasted, that this could actually potentially give you spaces that Absolutely. you're interested in navigating yeah, yeah. No, no question about it i mean you know i it's interesting because you know 1996 uh there was a massive tasting that was done about the 1996 vintage and it came out it was the grand jury european that everyone petrus everybody sent in wine in there and until you live you're not gonna i would never guess it was Socian Malais that beat petrus lafitte mouton everyone right so you know, in, we live in this world where it's great. It's great. You know, there are really underdogs who can actually win in this kind of situation, which is rare <laughs> nowadays. And it's also, it's it's garbage in, garbage out too, right? It also depends yeah, on the questions course. that you ask and the amount of information yeah, so, that you put so in. That, that's, that's another Absolutely. thing. But what is, what is also very interesting here is the last one. Was 2000 or 2001 a better vintage for Bordeaux red wines? Just uh, because, you know, locally <laughs> in Bordeaux, they were not, you know, there was a fight between the two. Uh but what is in, what is interesting is that if you if you, there's not a certain amount of knowledge in what you're typing and you take only things for face value, you you, you could have a problem. But that's the same for anything. That's the same for you know kids who go on Wikipedia and get the answer for something and put it in without cross checking. That's the same as I still remember when I did my studies a million years ago in Bordeaux. Right, we had Lexi wine, Lexi vin, which is this little mm -hmm. like back and forth dictionary for wine terms. And they always said like, always go back and forth because it can sometimes not be exactly the translation that you're looking for. It's not new or different that you can make mistakes and you can find silly things if you're not taking the time. But I don't think that's ChatGPT's fault. I think that's human error. Yeah, definitely. If you read the answer now, the answer, I don't know if it recorded our conversation, but the answer is actually much more accurate now than it was two days ago. The, okay, the, you the, remember, the I, have, I, have, I have the I, other one. I, it's, it's much more accurate, actually, the description. 
And um, it, it's interesting because obviously the question I the reason why I brought these two vintages up because 2000 being uh, you know the turn of the century, the journalists blew everything up and said you know the best you know vintage of the world, whatever. And then 2001 came along, which widely regarded by the real connoisseurs as being a, yes it is a fresher vintage but a lot of people said it's a better vintage than 2000 and uh, and when we did it the first time it was not that clear cut in the answer whereas now it's actually describing the 2001 vintage much better than it did in the first place yeah, it is which it is, is, it's, it's, it's two days ago yeah, it's, it's only two days, two days ago <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. right the past I mean, learner. it's fantastic unbelievable well, he, he, right? he knew it was going to be on the show so Pro he probably yes yes <laughs> exactly, exactly. Herself. <laughs> so let me let so, me yeah. share the results of the poll first question do you think ai will revolutionize the world of food and wine yes 31%, no, 60, okay, 70, 30, 70. Do you see AI as a threat? No, 70%, yes, 30%. So will it change? Will it change the world? Will it change the world of restaurants and food? At, at the streamline level, probably yes. But at the high-end level, I don't think that much. I think what, 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 you're, what we saw there with our very own eyes says yes, it will. And and. Not that, not not your, uh -huh. <laughs> not your poll results, but what we saw on your uh, on the on chat, chat GPT. GPT. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And the fact that the mere fact that you're well, you're alluding to that it's changed over the last two days. So it's learning constantly, mm -hmm. constantly changing and evolving. Uh, and actually, you know, that, that's that could be a little bit scary. But I think that we should embrace it. I think that we should look at this and say, you know, this is amazing. Very much like. Uh, you know the the internet uh, and uh, and how wonderful it is and how it's helping us to evolve. Emily, no, I I, I agree. I think it's it's all second time. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the same page here. I think I think it's you you know you've you, you've also got to read in between the lines and you've got to make your own um, decision mm. and 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 points on what you're reading like anything today be it in a tabloid be it in a newspaper be it online um or even what your friends are posting on instagram it's it's all to be taken with a pinch of salt but i think it will in the long run be helpful and give us all more knowledge yeah and i think you know it's it's like um okay noma might experiment with some crazy weird algae something or other that or some technique that is super out there and it might be that some version of that gets distilled down and actually comes into everyday use in in other restaurants and and kitchens i think okay the the, the technology will go as far out as it can go but there will be good and bad bits of it that filter in and become just normal i mean i can't i'm standing here on my phone in dc doing a podcast with a bunch of people around the world i mean i wouldn't have even been doing this four years ago much less <laughs> 10 or 15 so four years um, ago i didn't know what zoom was <laughs> never even heard, heard about it, it. We, yeah. we learned fast <laughs> i had no clue we, le we, we learned fast yeah, yeah. I think that what we, the way we need to look at AI is an instrument that provides us information 
even faster than we have ever, ever thought that we can get it. But then we need to distill this information. Still, we still have to go through this old fashioned process of understanding, making our own choices, our own, uh, you know, and we just shouldn't take it on face value. Like when you open the newspaper and you read something, you don't take it on face value either. So this is the same thing. I believe that for us, if, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, you used to spend, I don't know, two hours in doing something. Now you can do it within minutes and it's just going to bring it to you. But it's still up to you to decide what you're going to do with that information. And I think this is where, you know, it's great and you shouldn't be afraid of it as long as you are the one who makes the final decision what to do with it. That's how I view it. Okay. So let's not be afraid. We'll talk about that in uh, in, in, in a mm. few months or in a few years. And good Lord. And I actually agree with Akush. So. Oh, my God! It must. It, it must is. be the end of the world. We, oh my God! I need to open. I need to open the mini bar right now. <laughs> we, we found a topic where everybody agrees. <laughs> Anybody oh, wants to say something you. against that? <laughs> Poor Antoine, always trying to no? find something we'll fight about, and we always. It's okay, yeah. we'll, uh, but it's fine. It's fine. We'll see. Anyway, it's there's there's it's it's happening so quickly. That's uh, that mm. that's that's crazy. Uh, one of the things I was wondering. Chefs are known for their taste and how to, to, to marry flavors together. Now, here comes an AI. <laughs> it's going to do machine mm -hmm. learning on all the you know, flavors that go together at the chemical level, whatever, et cetera. And they say, okay, we're going to recreate recipes where you know, chemical compounds <laughs> would make sense together. Um, chefs, what do you do with, with that? I do personally, I think it's a load of bull. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's down to personal taste. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been to some very, very well-known three Michelin star restaurants that that have served in front of me and, and some combinations of food, which I absolutely, I thought was disgusting. Um, and th th they would get plaudits and people, you know, dancing around in the streets saying it's the best combination of two food items that has ever been produced, but wow. it's crap. And it certainly didn't do it for me. Um, and it's happened on several occasions. So it's down to personal taste. And I think that's that's the same for the wine industry as mm -hmm. well. At the end of the day, the, the computer may say, this is genius and this is great, but it happens in here and in here. Mm -hmm. And that can never be taken away. I love that. And, and I think we are an, an, uh, an industry which is field of emotions. And you can have the same dish twice within a week and you're not going to feel the same way about it yeah. simply because of the way you feel, the way whom you are with and, and millions of other factors. So, you know, yeah, and I think that's I, the I'm beauty not, of it. I'm, I'm not going to name the restaurant or the certain dishes, but, those, but I'm just thinking of two dishes. They were not good. <laughs> they, they really were and even if i were to taste them again tomorrow i can tell you they were not good. they were not yeah. good <laughs> whatever the person you're with or the yeah. mood you're in mm. no, that's still not that good. taste that taste made me angry <laughs> oh <laughs> wow mm. to make it taste somebody angry that's pretty good yeah no. that's a, yeah yeah I, I don't know did emily have any um bad feelings as well about food Ho hopefully she's not going to say my cooking i wouldn't dare to <laughs> <laughs> i was just um i picked up when 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 we were talking about that i picked up um ah. a book that i like a lot ah le repertoire des saveurs 
Um, which I think has been now in every single language across the world. And it's a book that I sort of enjoy getting inspiration from, from time to time. You just, when we're going through the seasons and, um, one of my favorite season right now actually at the moment where everything green asparagus peas mm. Mm. Um, and you feel that a lot has already been done with those combinations although they're very delicious by themselves and in themselves um i always tend to flick through the repertoire des saveurs and sort of see what they suggest because mm -hmm. sometimes although maybe it does look very wacky and out there there are some amazing combination flavors in there as well that we've tried out and that we love. So although we don't always follow it, it's, it's definitely, I think a nice, a nice way to get the brain going and, and, and trying out new stuff. Nice. Just one pairing, like one thing that was really, well, that, that I yes. pick up. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do one page and we're going to, um, Most of them are obvious. I mean, when, when you're a chef, most of them you're like, oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, but something that is not obvious at all. Um, so on this page, jambon cru ananas. Oh, yeah, that's... Mm -hmm. a... <laughs> oh, yeah. That's very there's, English. There's, there's a whole paragraph on there to say oh. why. So, you know, why not? But there's a lot of things where oh, you're yeah. like, Yes, definitely. That sounds amazing. Boudin noir chocolat. You see that working? I mean, uh, yeah, you know, that would. Be, that would well, be. actually, in Spain, boudin noir chocolat noir, chocolat noir, un peu amer. Uh, yes. Hein? Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, fascinating. Fascinating. But you see, you you can chase me out of the world with mint and chocolate. I cannot stand it. I absolutely uh, can't stand it. And everyone in the it. world loves it. Everyone. Yeah, loves I adore it. it. I know, I, I know. And of course, every <laughs> hotel room I go to, they put me the little chocolate thing and mm. every single time it's bloody mint and chocolate. So, you know, <laughs> they can chase me out of this with the word. But hey, everybody's different, you know. <laughs> yeah. To conclude on court, your thumbs up and thumbs down. Uh, there's been a lot of things. I know, Jamie, you have uh, the world to conquer. What's your thumbs up and thumbs down? Yes, um, my thumbs up is definitely these two weeks, New York and DC. It's been absolutely amazing. The welcome for the wines has been great. And we're going to be doing lobbying on Capitol Hill tomorrow and Wednesday. It'll be very exciting. Um, uh, and then I would say my thumbs down. Um, you don't need to. It's I okay. If it's only really positive, it's fine. <laughs> Honestly. The fact that I don't have a glass of wine in my hand because <laughs> I still have to work for a couple hours. Okay, sounds good. Jimmy. Thank you so much. It was so good to see everyone. Bye, bye, bye. Jimmy. Ciao, ciao. Bye, Jimmy. Bye. Bye, bye. Emily, any some thumbs up and thumbs down? No thumbs up, I think. I think I think just 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 thumbs up. I as I said, I agreed with pretty much everything that was said and and, and I think it's a positive. Sounds good. Michelle? Uh, thumbs up, Manchester United won yesterday <laughs> at the football and are into the final of the FA Cup. Thumbs down, there's never any thumbs down, always stay positive. Did you find the frog? No, sadly, no. no, no. That's a thumbs down. That's a thumbs down. <laughs> Akosh. As you know, I am, I'm like Michelle, so you know, forget about the downside. Believe it or not, uh, there's, I have actually three things. One is that I met Thierry Henry for the first time in my life yesterday. Yeah. I was Ooh. in shock. I never met him. He is a big lad. Oh, my God. <laughs> very nice, but very big lad. And uh, the other thing, I would like to uh, give a 
uh, cheer to our friend who is uh, watching us here, Martin, who ran the marathon. Uh, uh, and he didn't run it at his own pace, but he took two asthmatic ladies with him and wow. accompanied them as a rabbit to take along to make sure that they finish it to raise money for his charity. So thumbs up, Martin. Congratulations. That was okay. unbelievable effort. And uh, the last one is we became the exclusive distributor of Chateau Petrus in Hungary. Woo! Nice. That is my <laughs> that is my big thumb up. Oh, nice. <laughs> <As well. laughs> nice. Which, by the way, I made a mistake. Chateau Petrus is not a Chateau Petrus. It's just Petrus. There's no Chateau. Mm. So they yeah. call it just Petrus, no Chateau. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. my yeah. mistake. No need. Yeah. It's okay. We, we won't hold you accountable for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Hopefully, Jean Moix is not hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> So Akos, thank you very much. Uh, no problem. Thank you, everyone. Do, I don't. I don't do thumbs up and thumbs down. But just one thumbs up. I started uh, my half Ironman training again uh, after a long stop during uh, the past month. So it's it's good to be out there. Uh, the knees are kind of okay <laughs> for now. <laughs> Still. <laughs> uh, we are going to take a uh, short break with a uh, a, a video. That was chosen by uh, one of our guests. Uh, I let you enjoy its beautiful music. So, if you need a refill, you can do that now.
time I hear this song, I get a goosebumps. Ah, Boa Suerte, uh, Vanessa D'Amata with Ben Harper. Emily, you chose that song. Why did you I choose know. it? Why it's did great. you choose it? <laughs> it's just great. I love that song. I've I've been listening to it for years and years, and it it, it just always comes back on every single playlist. Yeah, there, there's something to it. There's a there's a, there's a softness to it. It's it well, I just like uh, you you cannot stay uh, like that. Just <laughs> it, it, it's very soothing, yet it still makes you want to move. Yes, yes, yes. Beautiful choice, beautiful choice. Now we're on to a uh, license uh, to taste with Tanisha Townsend. Read all about it, Emily Sunday. It's not Emily, it's Emily <laughs> Sunday. Good evening, Tanisha. How are you? Long time. Good to see you. Long time. Since, what, 30 minutes ago? Yes. Yes, you're talking about the last wine of <laughs> Okay, my bad. How AI has impacted the world of wine recently with specific examples. Uh, I'm just going to also uh, run a quick poll. So, Tanisha. Tell us everything. Okay, so maybe not everything, but I do have a few things. First of all, it's so nice to be back here. Um, uh, there were, I really like the conversation that we just had about AI and how we think it will affect um, the industry or the world overall. And there have been a few ways it's come out recently. Um, Simon Pavitt wrote an article for Jane Anson using ChatGPT. Um, he is the CEO of the London Technology Club. And uh, he was tasked with writing about this new tool using, using the cutting edge technology of ChatGPT and its potential impact on wine. Well, he wrote the article with ChatGPT. He put in some keywords and things like that and got this article that said what it is, how it might impact the industry, what can go wrong. And then at the end of it, he said, hey, guess what, guys? 90% of this was written using ChatGPT. And so everybody kind of lost their minds on wine Twitter and um, some of the other people in the wine industry kind of lost their minds about, oh, well, you can't write like that and we still need humans. And so there was this whole discourse about how that is. The article was fine. He asked it a general question that didn't really need any kind of human intervention. So that kind of article is fine. Um, another way that I've seen it used is I've seen it used in wine reviews. And it's funny we're talking about this now. Quick sidebar. Antoine and I talked about this, that I would talk about that we would have this conversation for the show tonight. My brother happened to call me later on that same evening and was like, oh my goodness, have you used ChatGPT? You've got to start using it for your content. I mean, you could do video, you could do this. Let me type something in ChatGPT right now and tell you how it worked. Like he was so hype about it. And he was like, tell me what to type, what to type. What, what, let's pair some. Oh, I'm going to have dirty rice for dinner. What wine goes with dirty rice? This is literally how my brother and I talk. So he typed into chat GPT, what goes with dirty rice? And then he sent me the results. Oh, it gave full description of four different wines that go with dirty rice. And I was like, wow, that's uh, pretty amazing. And I think that's a way that it could be used. And that's a way that it will be helpful to be used. Um, Arini Global did an article about the impact of AI on wine writing. And they said some of the kind of things that I've said already. But one thing that they said that I definitely agree with at the end of it is that 
they would chat GPT and this AI will stop people from having to write every Thanksgiving, every holiday season, what wine goes with Thanksgiving dinner, what wine goes with your turkey. AI can do that. We do not need people writing that story anymore. So just put that into chat GPT, what wine goes with your turkey, your cranberry sauce, your sweet potatoes, and let's save us all some time. Now, I did find this one that was very interesting. This, um, these two guys, um, Matthew and Aubert, sorry, it's the other way, Aubert and Matthew, they actually made a wine using ChatGPT. So what they asked ChatGPT about the vinifications method, um, the preferred blend to be made, and um, all of that. Then they also asked it the price, press release, marketing plan, and uh, all of that. And they developed this wine called The End. And uh, Chad GPT came up with the assembly of 60% Grenache, 40% Syrah, bottled in a burgundy style bottle, which AI judges excellent for showcasing one's wine. Now, what he didn't go with, Chad GPT said it should be between 50 and 100 euro per bottle. Uh, nobody's paying that for their wine. Sorry. But they were like, okay, let's go for 20 um, a bottle and they called it the end and uh, they made 600 bottles of it online and all 600 sold out so you have an idea how it tastes I, no idea because i didn't find this out till later and this i just read about this uh beginning of april so i don't know when the wine came out or have seen any reviews on it okay anyone in the uh in in, in the room in the attendance has uh, tried it or heard about someone trying it Nicole. Hi, Nicole, by the way. Hi, Yumna. <laughs> Hi, Tony. Hi, Philip. Hi, everyone. I imagine it has to be decent, though. I mean, I've had wines by these producers before, but um, and I've liked their wines. I enjoy their wines. So it's very interesting that they came out with this and that it wasn't a bigger deal that I mm -hmm. didn't hear about it on French wine Twitter or Instagram or other places where I know they uh, advertise and mention their things because that would have been something i would have tried 20 20 euro bottle i would have paid 20 euro for that okay so kind of interesting you you think that uh you can have menus all prepared and you know with the ingredients and everything like that done by chat gpt or whatever technology we're using uh and and have it a, a commercial impact yes no maybe no not have a commercial impact, no. I think that's something more for maybe bulk wine producers. I think this is a cute gimmicky thing for an actual winemaker. Mm -hmm. But I think someone who really makes wine and is passionate about it and has done it for generations, I don't think they would give up their control of what they make to AI. Okay. It would be the same in our industry. Maybe you could get AI to create a menu for you. Um, and that, that menu would be based on what's seasonal uh, and what the trends are. But then you would be losing out on the personal touch, the touch of your chef, the, the, the personal feeling, your heart, which is very much the same as when you're making a wine. The, uh, the poll was, do you mind if an article or a piece of content is created with AI? 60% uh, mind, 40% don't. So there is there is that thing also about... Are we ready to relinquish everything to technology in a sense to say that we don't need to put our input in a certain way uh, into it? That That's probably an interesting question to see how this is going to evolve and how people are going to accept it or not. A lot, a lot of the time, we may not even know it's happening. Mm -hmm. 
that, that that's moment. that's yep. the problem. You see, mm-hmm. you, <laughs> I mean, it's it's already affecting us um, uh, uh, now, and um, uh, who's to know where it's going to end up? But I, I think in everyday life, um, AI is is there, and we may not even know it because there's a there's a tendency to to for people to to get. You know, overcome by the technologies and they get really drawn into it and they it becomes everything and 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 nothing at the same time and they overuse it how do we instill in people still the values of handmade creation because music for instance so that's that's you know, it's another art mm-hmm. uh, like like chefs the same thing you can create music through ai but there was a there was this competition for photography and the winner uh, was someone that did a AI uh, created picture, and he, he mentioned that afterwards, and he relinquished the the, uh, the award and everything. The question is: Do we? Is it the end product that is the important part, or is it the way to get to that end product that is important? What has been? You know, did you pour your soul into it, or is it ones and zeros that have poured their souls into it, if they have a soul? Yeah, but but then do we stop evolving as a human race? Okay. I mean, you, you take, you know, a hundred, a thousand years ago, and, uh, you, we've moved on and we've embraced uh, technology um, and, and, and we have to carry on evolving. Um, but but then I suppose that what I'm saying is we, we, must, we must embrace all new technologies. But at the end of the day, the, the, the humans must be in charge of AI. So I think that that's the scary part. Because one day maybe AI will take over the human race. Now, but that's that's what we have to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, I've seen that movie. It doesn't end well. <laughs> it doesn't end well. It's scary. It's, it's scary. Well. <laughs> oh. Okay. The wine minute. So this one is very personal. Yes. If I understand correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is about what French cuisine means to what does it mean to Americans and what their expectations are when they come to Paris? Is it, is it, is it phrased properly, the question? M- more or less. I, okay. It's a lot of thoughts in there, so I don't even okay. know how to phrase it better. It's so. okay. It's okay. Are you ready? Maybe. So it's one minute. You ready? Okay, hold on. Okay. Let's go. So this whole topic came about, and part of me, as I was standing in front of an American fast food restaurant in Paris, But then later that day, I was talking to someone and they asked me, oh, well, what are you eating over there? I was in Paris and I didn't find any food I like. And I thought that was crazy. But I have heard that being said a lot of times, Americans not liking the food when they come to Paris. So I asked them, what are they eating or where are they eating? Oh, you know, just the brasserie around the corner from the hotel. Oh, where are you staying? Near the Eiffel, near um, off the Champs-Élysées, near the Arc de Triomphe. Well, of course, you're not getting good food over there. There aren't fancy restaurants over there. There aren't good brasseries over there. If you want to eat in a neighborhood like neighborhood people eat, you have to be in a neighborhood. French people don't live over there. We're not living on the Champs-Élysées. We're not living by the Eiffel Tower. Even if we did, we don't eat escargot every night. We don't have bouffe bourguignon every night. What are you expecting? Go get your croissant, get your baguette, get your tarte de citron. Maybe go to the South, have some cassoulet, have some coquevin, try some other things. But coming to Paris, a major metropolitan and also tourist city, I don't know what you are expecting to taste here as far as French cuisine. It's French mixed with other things, but then there also is some French cuisine, but it's French mixed with other things. There are a lot of people who live here now. So to say you are here 
in Paris and you don't have any good food, where you sound ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, that's it. Well done. That was uh, that was heavy. Yes. Did you make a lot of friends probably when you said that? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I might have lost a couple friends, but yeah, I yeah. mean to say you don't get good food here. I wasn't impressed. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. Do I look like I have missed meals? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> I have missed none. Okay. Yeah, that's why you moved to Paris from Chicago. Oh, definitely. That's why I'm staying here. All yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Any thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up that I get to be with you all again. Are you um, this is fantastic? I've missed you guys. And I guess no, no thumbs, thumbs down. down. No, yeah. no thumbs down. Tanisha, thank you thank so you. much. And now thank we're you. on to <laughs> have a drink with me. Superhéroe, Mr. Rain, a discovery. The guy has a voice, Italian. I love it. But yeah. it's, it, it's wow. It's he has, he has <laughs> several songs that I'm now addicted to. <laughs> he's got he's got that voice. Wow, wow. And Erosma Ramazzotti, the Italian song voice and everything is 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 right up there. Uh wonderful. The selection will be available as a Spotify playlist. All the songs you listen to this evening are wonderful, wonderful secondary selection. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation. It's really a fantastic pleasure to welcome you to the Wine Hour, Michel and Emilio. Cheers. Cheers. And I, I hope so far, so so far, you're 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 relaxed and everything is good and and all good, all good. Absolutely. So if anyone has any questions, you can raise your hand, you can put them in the chat, or you can uh, come on and video or audio, chefs. And the thing about your story it's it's absolutely fascinating what i what i i looked at and what i was really intrigued by is the generational thing to start with first to second second to third and i said we were going to talk about that afterwards from the second to the first generation how difficult was it to work with them and pay attention to the answer because i'm going to ask the same question afterwards <laughs> So me first? Yes, you first, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not easy. I always wanted to be a chef. Um, I, di I didn't want to carry on in uh, further education. So at the age of 16, I, I started off as a, I did an apprenticeship. Um, but, you know, I, I grew up with, with great food and wine around me as a child. Um, and, and the great respect that was um, drilled into me by my parents and uh, my, my whole family um, for food, for, for good food, not, not expensive or, or elaborate food, but just for good food. Um, and um, so I suppose that was, you know, that was instilled into me as well in my professional career, very much by the people that I worked for. Um, but then with the two, I say the two father figures, my father and uncle. Um, and then, to be able to uh, try and emulate them uh, and uh, and choose the same career path as them 
was was something that uh, that I always wanted to do, but was certainly not as easy as maybe some people may think, because following in somebody's footsteps, uh, well, uh, two of them, father and uncle, I mean, they're, they're huge, huge, uh, you know, sort of characters and, and great chefs in their own right. So to follow in their footsteps is, is not easy. Um, and uh, and as I said, comes comes with advantages, but also comes with a lot of baggage. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the problem of a like my father of when I took over from the Gavroche um being able to let go because it's his baby you know mm-hmm. he created it with with my uncle so that in itself caused a little bit of friction um but I I, I think we 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 managed to deal with that and um and you know I I look back on my time at Le Gavroche and, and you know I've been in charge more years than my father was in charge because mm. I took over in 89 90 uh, so yeah it's 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 um it's a whole lifetime of being being of, of growing up as it were with a whole lot of other staff and a whole you know restaurant world which is incredible in the creative process who had the last word ooh <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's that's a, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that that's where there was a lot of well, not a lot of friction, but there was there was friction because uh, I I wanted to change things possibly a bit too quickly um, mm-hmm. when I when I was uh, given the reins, and uh, my father didn't want change. He wanted the same as he was doing. Mm-hmm. So if he did want, the, and I would have this argument with him, I said, "Well, if you want me to take over." Why don't you let me just take over? Yes. You know, if you want me to do the same as what you were doing yesterday, then why am I here? Kind of thing. So it was a very gradual process. But e- even with that, uh, e- even saying that, I-, I was brought up in the style of great mm-hmm. French classic cuisine. Uh, and that's what I love cooking and what I love eating for the most part. Um, so, so I was never going to divulge too far from what the Gavroche is. But but nonetheless, of course, it, it, there was you know, toing and froing, and yes. many many times when I put something on the menu, uh, a new dish on the menu, and he would, yeah, no, what are you doing, <laughs> <laughs> Emily? You now have your own restaurant that you opened with your husband Diego Ferrari. When you were at Le Gavroche, in terms of the creation part, is it is it how did it go? Uh, who had the last word? <laughs> so I, I, I spent very, very little time at Gavroche. I only really did a, a few months stage when I was 18 and spent a lot of Saturday nights there um, as a child, sort of helping out and peeling potatoes and cutting, yeah. chopping, um, chopping various vegetables. I, I very early on knew that I didn't want to take over, even if that was offered to me. Very simply, everything that my father's just mentioned. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, that, that's, it's his baby. He's been there for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think customers and employees there have been there and are older than me and have, you know, I, I feel like it never would have would have been mine or, or would be mine, um, mm-hmm. let alone my husband, who would then have to carry, again, that other additional pressure Um, and never have his time to shine it would be incredibly incredibly complicated I mean the the chef Rachel who's the head chef at Gavroche 
um, has been there, I think, since she was 18 years of age. So she, she's older than me. She's been there longer than me. I, could, I just couldn't see myself one day turning up and, and, and changing everything. It's, I just I don't think it would work. I don't think customers would would appreciate it. I don't think I just don't think it would work. But so so for all those reasons, um, I'm out. Yeah. But what, <laughs> it, what what is what is what is fascinating is that if you close your eyes and you don't know it's a chef talking, you it could be a musician, it could be an artist, because there seems to be that alignment between your aspiration your inspiration what whatever you are you know feeling about your relationship to the food and, and the kind of dishes that you want to create and the kind of flavors you want to create and the environment in, in which you can do that properly and to be able to find that and i guess this is one of the reasons why you, you open character as well uh it's it's not very easy and and to have that opportunity to find that that place where you can express yourself is 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 fantastic to be able to have that Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a blank canvas, right? So you, my husband and I are very fortunate to be able to do whatever we want, any time of day, week or month, year to, to, to our restaurant. And, and I think that's what all chef sort of seeks throughout their career. And, and the further they move on in their career, they you know, that's, that's what we all aspire to, but it's, it's very difficult to get to that point. Well, not only because it's very difficult. I think, I think you've also got to be properly surrounded. I think my father has a, has a massive role to play in that where, well, he's had so much experience as being my grandfather as well. So, so, so we had a fair bit of knowledge and, um, and my husband also started cooking when he was 14. So he worked mm -hmm. at all, I think 13, um, in his local, Italian restaurant, uh, Trattoria. He used to do just the side dishes at the age of 14 and, and has just constantly be, been in love with food and, and totally passionate about what, he, what we do. So for us, the blank canvas was just what we needed, really. We're going to co continue on that. There's one question in the chat from Najib Boutros, Chateau Bellevue in Lebanon from the Hamdoun region, and we sell also mm -hmm. in, in, in London. And uh, the question is, uh, where does the name Gavroche comes from? So Victor Hugo uh, has it in the Les Miserables. Uh, is there a, where's the culinary <laughs> relationship between that Gavroche and, and this one, if there's any? No culinary oh, yeah. uh, connection. <laughs> yeah. um, my father and uncle just thought it was, well, you can't get much more French than Victor no. Hugo. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was Gavroche. The importance of Le Gavroche when it was started 50 years ago. Food in London was not <laughs> the best. <laughs> no, that, that, that's, that's for sure. Back in uh, 1967, I mean, the food scene in, the, in uh, London or the UK was, was definitely not what it is now. Um, and and not just restaurants. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, actually trying to buy buy food, purchase mm -hmm. food in the 60s. It was totally different. I mean, we take it for granted now to go into a supermarket and to be able to buy, you know, olive oil. There are just shelves and shelves of olive oil, maybe 20, 30 different kinds of olive oil. Back in the 60s, it was you were lucky if you got one sort of oil in there, not just, not olive oil, but oil. Uh, so it, it's... Yeah, totally different. And um, so huge challenges for my father and uncle when they first opened the restaurant yeah. in, uh, back then. So the challenge back then was to establish uh, French uh, cuisine into London, which were a place where, you know, as you we were saying, uh, food was not the mm. best. Today, the challenges are different. 
there's a lot of offering. There's a lot of things happening in the city. There's a lot of competition. There's flavors from all across the world that are that are present. How complicated is it today to still have your place and keep it? What what makes a, one restaurant different from the other? Is it how how do you, how does that work now because of 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 the, the globalization or you know the amount of people and talents that are are present in London? I think I think consistency has a lot to do with it. I mean, one of our favorite restaurants as a family, uh, where I think I've been going since I was a teenager, is a Japanese restaurant um, just behind Harrods called Zuma. We've just enjoyed every single meal we've had there, and it's been consistently great. And I think to 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 get those customers coming back, you you always have to be great. Or just better yourself each time, and um, I think that's most important. I mean, that's that's what I look into when I go to to a restaurant and choose to book a restaurant for those special occasions. I'm on those special occasions. I'm not necessarily going to go to somewhere new where I'm taking a chance. Although I love discovering, um, I'm going to stick to something I know, and then I'm I know I'm going to enjoy because they're consistently great. Michelle, London is very fortunate now. That it's um, you know it is rubbing shoulders with Paris and New York and other gastronomic cities in the world. I think the difference with London is that it has some fantastic um, uh, restaurants that offer great different styles of food. So you can get fantastic Michelin-starred Indian food, Chinese food, West African food in London. That is very rarely replicated anywhere else in the world. Well, used to be a very reasonable price. Um, but less so at the moment. But it's um, it, it it is a wonderful place. It's a wonderful food city now. London, mm -hmm. you know, gone are the days where uh, you couldn't eat well in London, and uh, now, thankfully, you can. How do you get people to come back on a regular basis? Comment les fidéliser? Comment les fidéliser? It is consistency, exactly what Emily said. I mean, yeah, you have to be consistently good at what you do. Whether you're you're serving a, a bacon sandwich for breakfast and you know on, on a uh, in a greasy spoon or a cafe or whatever, um, or or you're you know you're serving a tasting menu at three hundred pounds per person, it has to be consistent. Um, and uh, you know, it, if it's consistent, you'll get people coming back. Um, but it, it's not just about the food; it has to be, you know, about the service and uh, about the way the way you're looked after. Because people will go, will travel a long way for for great food, but they'll travel even further and return time and time again if the service is good. Um, and actually, I think myself included, I'll be I'll be forgiving if the food isn't you know, the greatest, but if the service is fantastic and the ambience and the buzz of the place is fantastic. So you have to get that right. You have to get that balance right. How complicated is it? Very. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a constant battle every day uh, to, to, to get that just right. Um, but, you know, you, you, you don't go into the uh, catering industry Uh, not wanting a battle. <laughs> well, I guess you. I guess with COVID and all the things that happened, oh, I think yeah. you got a, you got enough battles around that. Uh, yeah. But that consistency is 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 very hard because one of the things is the producers that you're using, uh, and the quality of the producers that you're using. And and sometimes mm. it it does make a huge difference. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, getting getting the right produce uh, is is certainly uh, certainly key to that. Yeah, I mean, without getting political, now we have another layer of issues uh, in the UK being Brexit, which mm-hmm. which is um, adding on another another difficulty and another another challenge. We're going to take another break, music break of a, another great song, completely different style. Uh, this one is uh, also wow, and and there's there's an extra reason why this one is also special. Uh, Here we go. I was five and he was six. We rode on horses made of sticks. He wore black and I wore white. He would always win the fight. Bang, bang. He shot me down, bang, bang Bang, I hit the ground, bang, bang That awful sound, bang, bang My baby shot me Skylar Gray, she's got a voice. Wow. So David Guetta yeah. and, and Skylar Gray shut me down. Uh, from all the playlists, uh, all the music that you've chosen, this one I kind of struck out for many reasons. Michelle, why did you choose that song? I love it. 
Uh, I mean, I'm not a massive, massive David Guetta fan, uh, but I, I love this one. I love the original one as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just a great song. It's just cool. I love it. I love the music. It's not of my age. I mean, you know, as, as I said earlier, I'm 63 years old, so it's, it shouldn't be the music that I, I listen to, but I love it. Wonderful. As I said, they all will be available as a Spotify playlist. To come back to uh, to to our our conversation, giving back to the community is extremely important, and the root scholarship is is a very important part of it mm. to help uh, the upcoming chefs. So it it has to be said that being a chef working in this industry is not necessarily what you see on TV. It's very hard. It's very harsh, and to be able to get support system like these and scholarships and and support is extremely, extremely important. Why was it started? Why, why did it happen? Um, well, my father and uncle, 39, 38, mm -hmm. no, 39 years ago now, 39 years, uh, started the scholarship because they wanted to give something back to the, um, back to the, the, the community of chefs, um, and especially uh, to help young British chefs achieve their dreams uh, and to, to help them up the, uh, help them up the ladder. So it was a, a cooking competition open and still is open to professionals um and the 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 prize is three months uh, work experience in any three michelin star restaurant in the world and we look after that we look after the expenses and all the costs and there are lots of other additional prizes from our sponsors and a cash prize as well most importantly i think it, it's just that becoming part of the Rue scholars, mm -hmm. the family, I call it the family, and becoming part of you know the, the Rue, the Rue brand, the Rue name. Uh, and, and I think it's, um, it's very, very important to be able to help the next generation of chefs. And I, I think that's, that's very much a Rue ethos as well. And that's, you know, helping the next generation, because they're the future. And, um, uh, and my father and uncle had this idea. And now myself and my cousin are carrying this on. The, the idea of confrérie, that, that, that network mm. of chefs, it seems to be very important. As a, as a young chef, Emily, how important was it to be able to go and try in different places how people were doing, learning from them, those kind of apprenticeship in a, in a sense? How important was it in your development as a chef? I think it's, it's so, so important in any chef's career to... Um, well to do all those stages and to do those internships to first of all to see what you like most in the in the mm -hmm. kitchen i mean my first um my first internship i think i was 19 it was in paris um at the time it was uh, one of the restaurants of uh, michel Troigros. and mm -hmm. um lucky enough i mean i totally adored it it was my second family out there and and um, I got to see every section and, and I thought it was amazing. And then my second internship, which was probably the year later, um, was at the Louis XV in Monaco. And that was in pastry mm -hmm. because my father and grandfather said, oh, you should do a bit of pastry just to get that knowledge and, 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 and baggage. And um, I'm glad I did. Mm -hmm. It was it was very difficult. It's it's as much as I love making pastry, um, I don't really have a sweet tooth. So it was, it was, that would be a problem. It was challenging. <laughs> that would be a problem. Chocolate every day and tempering chocolate. Um, 
was not my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Great skill to have, and I'm very glad I have it today. At least um, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I think that's that's when you sort of discover what what do you really like? Is it savory? Is it sweet? Yeah, I think it's 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 just vitally important and getting all of those those recipes and techniques from it. Every single chef that you work with is bags of information and knowledge that you take on with you forever. I mean, I still have every single little booklet that I had as an apprentice with me at home. And sometimes I flick through them just to see those recipes and see what they did. And anyone and everyone adapts them to their own, to their own kitchen every day. It's just so useful to see how everybody or every different chef do things differently and it's often a very similar recipe from the beginning that's just mm-hmm. been branched out in the in in their separate ways. So there is that that evolution in 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 your life as a chef from you know how you see the the craft at the beginning and then you know going through the steps and uh, trying out the different places in 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 in, in the cuisine. Um, how do you see the evolution of your craft today? Because you, uh, you you've gone through basically a lot of experiences uh, both of you at different different levels for different length of time how how do you see the evolution of the craft your craft for the coming next years and, and everything well i think it's already changed so much in the past 10 years but i mean thankfully covid has really sort of put a fast forward button on 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 our industry and 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 made it i think much more tangible for, for everyone to, to sort of access and work in our industry now. When when I started out 10, 12 years ago, the hours were beyond belief. And that was the norm. And I, I definitely wouldn't complain about it. I'm pretty tenacious. I was fine with that. We did a lunch service, we did the evening service. So it would mean being in the kitchen at 8 a.m. And, and if you're on the pastry section, well, you can leave at 1, 1 30, depending on on how long customers are enjoying their dinner and what time they arrive and whatnot. So long, long hours, obviously with a short break in between, mm. but long hours nonetheless. I think that since since COVID, we've, we've really had a, a massive push on how our industry, you know, suffers or suffered from those hours and and, and we need to sort of rein that in and 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 work more efficiently and and, and have customers understand that we might not be able to open lunch and dinner if, if our team isn't big enough uh, or if we can't financially afford to do that, which which is fantastic because it means that everyone has a better quality of life outside, which means, I mean, for example, um, at our restaurant, well, Diego and I have a son, but also our head sommelier has two children. And I think we have a at least two other employees that will probably become parents in the next year or so, which, which I think is amazing. If, if, if we can all, you know, still have a family and a happy family whilst, whilst trading and being, being happy mm. and, and passionate about what we do, I think that's amazing. It, it would be very difficult to achieve that and to keep those amazing staff and employees if we were doing the hours that we did 10 years ago. Yeah. So I think a lot has evolved already in 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 the, in a few years, and I'm sure it'll continue to do so in in the years to come. Michel, how do you see that? How do you see the, mm. the evolution well, of the craft? 
hundred percent agree with uh, with Emily. I mean, it's uh, third time. It is something. <laughs> yeah, it, it is something that we we've, we've got to uh, got to address in our industry, in the hospitality industry, and it's the uh, the long hours and the perception that it is a very hard you know job to do, and and that it's unsociable. Yes, we do work on Saturdays and mm. occasionally on Sundays and occasionally on Christmas or whatever, um, but not everywhere. I mean, Le Gavroche, we've always traditionally closed the Christmas, New Year and bank holidays. Um, and you know, it's the hours have been vastly reduced to what they used to be when my father was in charge. So, we, you know, and, and it's not just us. I think the whole of the industry are looking towards that. Um, and it's a great place to work. I always say, you know, that there's a job for everyone in our industry um, and, and you get a great satisfaction out of it. Uh, so... I, I think we are we are evolving in, in the industry, and we still have a lot to, a lot to do and a, a fair way to go. But uh, it's definitely a hundred percent better than it used to be. In terms of the the relationship to the producers and mm. to you know, there's a lot of things about you know plant based and being more mindful and and you know organic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is it that important as chefs? in terms of your relationship to the producer and the producers that you're going to get? Well, I mean, crap in, crap out. You know, <laughs> yes. we, I think it was, it was said earlier on in the interviews, it, you, you can't make good wine out of bad grapes and you can't make good food out of bad, you know, steaks or whatever. Um, so, no, it, you know, the, the quality of the produce is key. Uh, and, and very, very important. So we do have a good working relationship with, with mm. all of our producers, and Emily's the same. We, we, we use the same, you know, the same uh, suppliers, and um, uh, we, we have a great relationship with them, and it's very, very important. Uh, they, they, you know, there's a, a trust element as well because we work together. Unfortunately, we're getting close to the end, but before finishing, uh, we have the people questionnaire. So <laughs> for, for those, there, there's a lot of people who have been asking me, what is this Pivot questionnaire? So just uh, as a quick, uh, Marcel Proust uh, did create the Proust questionnaire. And then uh, Bernard Pivot in his uh, iconic and legendary show, Apostrophe in, in France, uh, which was the place where all the famous writers of the world were coming, etc., uh, did an adaptation of it called the Pivot Questionnaire. And afterward, James Lipton, inside the actor's studio, did a version in English afterwards when he was um, interviewing all the Hollywood stars and everything coming from you know, old people from the actor's studio, etc. So I humbly took a part of it, changed a few things, <laughs> I like the concept of it. So this is this is the backstory of the, uh, of the Pivot Questionnaire. So it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, Are you ready? Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Okay. So what is your favorite word? Faffing. I didn't hear that one. <laughs> Faff or faffing. Faffing? It's a word, yeah, faffing. It's a word my father taught me. What does that mean? <laughs> well, please go ahead. Uh, okay. There's a beautiful story behind this. Okay. What, what, what does faffing That mean? Is. So <laughs> it's not a beautiful story behind it it's a it's a true word um i, I believe the origin of it is uh, when there is not enough wind to fill a sail um i think uh and and it just means that you're just as a boat you're just going left right center oh, you're not moving oh, yeah, anywhere okay. so you're faffing around okay um, and uh, yeah i used to say <laughs> because en planche à voile on s'est pompé you know we you try to bring uh, the sail in, in the wind and things like that yeah, but faffing i never heard that yeah. one oh nice 
So I like it a bathing. lot. Yeah. And what it's is it's a nice word, isn't it? Yes, it is. And what is your favorite? Did word? I use but did I use it for you, Emily? I think you were. <laughs> think okay, gonna... swiftly moving on. My favorite yeah. word. <laughs> I think there's gonna be a call after that. <laughs> no, my favorite word is yes. I'm a can-do person and I think you should always yes. Okay. You know, mm. What is your least favorite, thinking? What is your least favorite word? No. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Emily? <laughs> My least favorite word is no. If I'm asking somebody to do something and they say no, then I say, okay, let's find a solution. You know, oh, there yeah. must be a solution. They don't tell you like, uh, mais le problème c'est que... <laughs> no, il n'y a pas de... No, no, il n'y a pas de c'est que... There's always a solution. Emily? Um, discombobulated. The way you're getting all these words... Nice. <laughs> it's a long word that is, yes, that, that is very difficult to place. Yeah, you're In right. a conversation, well, definitely. It's a good word, and it, and, it, and, it, and it gets straight to the point, but it's difficult to put in, in, in context. <laughs> What's your favorite virtue, Emily? Um, I think kindness, in, in just, just kindness in general. Michelle? Teaching um, and empowering others. I think that's important. What's your favorite quality in a woman? Uh, character, charm, curvy, cuddly. All the C's. <laughs> okay, Emily? I, I'd say it, it would be the same for both genders. I, I, I like to laugh. I like humor. I like people who don't take themselves too seriously, remain humble, um, but, but fun. Okay, so I guess that's for the men as well. Michelle, yeah. your favorite quality in a man? Humility. Yeah, very important. Is that lacking these days? I think so. Yeah, I, th I think so. It, well, I suppose every generation would say this, but I, I, I think the youngsters lack in humility. Actually, not, that's, that's not right. A lot of old people do as well. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are very grumpy. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> What dish would you use to describe yourself? I put an ingredient. Oh. Uh, or ingredient. Okay, fair enough. Go on, Emily. I put pepper because I'm fiery. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, that, that's definitely, <laughs> definitely true. Yeah, yeah. For me, vintage champagne. I, I might be losing my effervescence, but I think <laughs> I'm getting better. <laughs> What is your favorite smell or aroma? I put onions cooking in the morning. Sort of like, you know, just... Just little caramelized onions. Mm. I like that smell. Mm, yes. That, that's nice. For me, vanilla. I love vanilla. It's yeah. my favorite spice. Yeah, yeah. I'd, uh, I mean, yeah, I just, just love vanilla. And, and vanilla ice cream, my favorite. Mm. What sound or noise do you love? Noise, Emily? I, yeah. I put a very, very distinct noise. Um, it's uh, when, when the pastor's just gone into the sauce and you're making it flip in the sauce yeah, yeah. that is a noise that i will recognize a mile off and it's time for dinner yeah. I'm ready and i'm there yeah when the sauce start to cling on the pasta and there's this yeah. cushiness and this oh yes mm. <laughs> you know i i always say as well you cook with all your senses you cook with your obviously your taste and mm. your smell 
and and your eyes, but you also with your ears. It's it's so important, so true. That's that's a that's a really good one, Emily. For me, it's the sea. Uh, I love the sound of uh, of the sea and the the, uh, the crashing of the waves, either on the rocks or on the beach. I think it's so soothing. It's beautiful. Mm, nice. I don't don't hear it enough. Yeah. In London, yeah, it's a bit yeah, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Thames sometimes. I can, a, <laughs> I can I can run a bath, but it's not yes. quite the same. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, for me, mosquito. Oh, that's a good um, one. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I am sitting next to my wife, because then I know the mosquito is going to bite her and not me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Emily, I um I hate teeth grinding nail biting is something that i i would stay very far from yeah yeah i get that yeah what plant or animal would you like to be reincarnated in i i, I would be a mouse because i'm very curious and nosy and i would want to get through any hole in anyone's house and um just uh yeah too curious i love that and you get to eat some cheese yeah <laughs> Yeah, I never heard also that. Also, go in restaurants. You can spy on other chefs. I mean, it's ideal. You fit anywhere. Uh, with ratatouille, you have, uh, you have. Uh, okay, it was a rat, exactly. but it was not a mouse. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a story behind. <laughs> Michel, that's a really cool one. <laughs> for me, it would be a vine. A vine, because you know you can live for hundreds of years if you're well looked after, of course. Yes, uh, and then you give so much pleasure because. You know, you're, you're growing grapes and the grapes can be either consumed as they are or you can turn into great wine. Wow, nice. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, that's easy. For me, <laughs> I would, I'm guessing at the pearly gates, he's going to look at me and he's going to say, what's for lunch? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, who knows? I don't. I. I. Yeah. I think uh, a, a pat on the back. You. You did a good job. Well done. <laughs> That'd be great. Michel Roux, Emily Roux, thank you so much. Merci mille fois. So this concludes the wine hour for today. Thank you for listening. Uh, drink in moderation, be well and safe, faith always, and we leave you with uh, paper aeroplane, Angus and Julia Stone. Thank you. It's so nice. I love it. Thanks. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> it was so nice, but uh, the music selection is uh, wow. Oh. Yeah, it's good fun. Good fun. It's nice to see Nicole was on there from Chen Bleu. Uh, yes, there was uh, Nicole. Yeah, she's still there. Hi, Nicole. Are you camera friendly? <laughs> Whoever wants to come on the show with camera on, please do. Yumna, are you still there? Yumna, 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 Yumna. Yes, she is. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. It was it was very very nice. Hello, Martin. Congrats for yesterday. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you to everyone. Thanks to Nicole Thanks. there. I know she's putting a message, but uh, all good. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Emily. Thanks. You have a beautiful week.
À très bientôt. Okay, thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Thanks, bye. Walks on home, aside from work, the letter falls from his hand.